This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Off the Menu with Dara Moskowitz-Grumdahl, the Twin Cities leading food critic and senior editor of Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Off the Menu is all about food in the restaurant, at the market, and on your table. Now, here's Dara on News Talk 830 WCCO. Dara here. All right. I will admit it. I was just running through the skyways this morning. This cold has broken me. I am the most rah-rah Minnesotan you're going to find, except after I fell last week, I bumped my head on the ground like a like, well, who bumps their head on the ground like a squirrel? That was ridiculous. Now I'm very ginger and scared of everything. And I was walking around the skyways. And here's who's in the skyways today. Lost people from the Dakotas who have come to the camper show at the convention center. So I have been a good Samaritan all day directing people to the campers at the convention center. I don't know, people. Is this my new life? How long is it going to take me to stop feeling so timid and afraid? You can text the answer. <laughs> I'd like to know. 81807. How long to you to bad fall to you forget it ever happened to you? Uh, is it? I know it's different for like toddlers and four-year-olds, right? Because I've seen them just bonk into the wall and then two seconds later they're going. But apparently older than a toddler now. Quite awkward. All right. Other things you can text me at 81807. You can text any questions you have about Southeast Asian food. Because guess who's here today? We're going to have two good long segments with Anna Med. She has just opened the extremely popular new Golden Valley restaurant, Lat 14, after a decade of running one of my absolute favorite local spots, the Brooklyn Park, kind of teeny tiny out of the way, place called Lemongrass Thai Cuisine that has like these very adventurous uh, takes on uh, Thai food. And I was like, oh, that's an innovative person who's doing original stuff. Like this is a, you know, it's not that cookie cutter, cookie cutter restaurant you see where they're trying to be all things to all people. And that that just drives me crazy. And one of the reasons... It drives me crazy is that you can't be all things to all people. We should stop expecting that of restaurants. Expect Stop expecting that of each other. We're all like good at different things, right? Some people are shortstops and some people are pole vaulters. And, you know, I'm going to mix all the metaphors, but you know what I mean. I don't know why we go into restaurants and want everything to be the same. And, of course, this goes to the thing I've been talking about a lot lately – Authenticity. What is authenticity? Is it a photocopy of something somewhere else? If it's a photocopy of something somewhere else, is it from the past, the present? Uh, Who gets to judge what's authentic? All these things. So we're going to just get into all these things, and you can text them 
to 81807 because I want to talk about this. We're going to really <laughs> we're going to bring philosophy and uh, postmodernism into the food conversation starting in Minnesota because I think that we are hamstrung in our thinking and our talking by this notion of authenticity. And I don't think we've examined it. I don't think we use it the way uh, we we think we do. And so here we go. We're going to interrogate authenticity and talk great salads <laughs> with Alan Ahmed. And welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. My first time on the radio, so it's kind of nervous. All right. You're doing great. Just, 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 It's just you and me. Just look at me and, and talk about these things. So tell me. Uh, tell the people your, a little bit about your life story. So you grew up in Bloomington, but before that, you were born in, in Southeast Asia. Where? So I was born in Laos, um, and then my mother chose to um, kind of immigrate or leave Laos because it was in a very hostile situation back then. So we um, became refugees into Thailand, and I was around about the age of two or three. And we stayed in the refugee camps for a couple years and then – Yeah, so for people that don't know, that was the aftermath of the Vietnam War. So your was your dad involved in, in you know – or was your family just sort of pushed out of where they had been living or has your dad been involved in the fighting? Um, unfortunately, no. My dad was not involved in the fighting because um, my dad was um, – he died from a poisonous snake bite when I was 18 months. Oh, no. I'm and so sorry. And so um, – yeah. And, you know, being a single mom, my mom didn't really have a lot of decisions that she could make on her own. Um, she had a lot of brothers and sisters and um, everyone just came together as a family and decided that, you know, our homes have been destroyed. Everything that our, our you know, that my grandparents had worked for and built was no longer there. So there was really a, no need to be in the country. And dangerous. Exactly. And so and so that's when my mom and our immediate family kind of was made up of my grandmother and my great grandmother. So there was just four women traveling together to get into the U.S. And I believe that was one of the reasons why we we got into the U.S. fairly quickly, because um, I was traveling with, you know, three other single moms. You know, my grandmother was a single mom. My great grandmother was a single mom and she was legally blind at that time. So um, when you come into lot 14, there's a picture of all four of us in the private dining room. So hopefully people can check that out. Wow. So that's, that's a lot of hardship. And so then you ended up in, you came to Bloomington. You were a little, little, little. Yes. So Minnesota has been the only home that I knew of. Um, so I was probably about Four and a half, five at that time. So, and then you, when did you start cooking? Um, oh my goodness. I think it was like one of the, the first things I've ever done. But I, you know, like when I had to recollect kind of these memories and how, because I've been asked that question a lot. And I think, um, when we moved here or not moved, I don't even know what you would call that. When we landed here in Minnesota, relocated here, I suppose, um, my mom got, um, a placement in jobs. And so they had, during the day, she would be working at a nursery school. And then at night, she would be working at a restaurant. And so that really left me very little time to see my mom, who that was the only person I knew in my life at that time. And so I think I felt that I was gravitating towards her. And that always happened to be in the kitchen. That was the only time that I would get time to spend with my mom was in the kitchen. I remember that I even, um, would tag along to at the restaurant to be with her. I would, you know, if it was 
going there to pick her up, I would go with her, um, go, go with my uncle to pick up my mom. And I even, you know, I ran into Sue Penn Harris just last weekend at the Charlie Award, and it brought back so many memories. Yeah, so it, Sue Penn, she she was a founding pioneer in the Twin Cities. Uh, she opened Sawadi, and mm-hmm. I don't remember how many there are now, but quite a few. Yeah, and so when I ran into her, that brought so many mac- so many memories, and one of it was like. Um, my mom would, on the weekends when I didn't have school and no one was home to watch me, my mom would ask Supen if I can come along. And so I've spent many, many weekends at the original downtown Swat D in this dry storage room, like probably taking a nap or just kind of because they wouldn't allow me in the kitchen, but I would take a peek as often as I can. So to answer your That's ca- so cute to yeah. this. I mean, I think a lot of people know that dining room. It's very ornate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sawati is a, a landmark, has been for a long time. And so if I could like go in the you know, way back machine, I could see one of the future restaurant tour stars uh, napping on a bag of rice. (laughs) That's me. That was me. You would, I don't know if you'll catch me napping now, but you know, I wish I had the luxury of that large of a dry stock room. But yeah, to answer your question, it's just like, I think most of it was just me, like just wanting to be with my mom. And that was the only opportunity I had with her. It was just cooking with her. And, um, you know, there are some pictures that you'll see of my mom and I just being in the kitchen. And I think that's that's where my my passion for for cooking started. And ever since then, it's like it's it's hard to push me out of the kitchen. I mean, even if it's just like I have to wash dishes just to be in there, I'll do that. You know, like it didn't really matter what my responsibilities were. But I just loved being in the kitchen because that's where I got to be with my mom. Oh, that's beautiful. And was your mom a good cook? Well, that's uh, might have to come back for another show for that. <laughs> um, um, but no, she is. She's an amazing cook. She's very resourceful. I mean, just from the days when you know when we were the first few immigrants to be here in Minnesota, there weren't a whole lot of grocery stores, and so she made do with what she had. And now, to, you know, what fast forward thirty years later, we have an abundance of Asian ingredients, an abundance of Asian grocery stores. So. Um, Yes, she is an amazing cook. She's really good. But the thing is with her, she wants to be the best. And um, most moms would be proud that their daughter has 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 done something better than they have, but not my mom. Ah! So it's always mommy is better. So whenever you see my mom, just go, oh, mommy, I like your recipe more. And she'll be happy. Yes. Oh, funny. So that may explain some things. So take me on the, the journey of opening your very first place, Lemongrass, up in Brooklyn Park. Because that, that see, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that seemed just like scrapping it, shoestring operation with an amazing menu. Um, I don't know if it was amazing menu back then, but um, so I opened Lemongrass in 2000, May of 2005. Um, I was so young at the time. And I think now that I think back about it, that was probably the best ideal time to open a restaurant because I was so young and I was so naive and I didn't have anybody who needed me. Like I, I, I. It was it was the perfect opportunity to take that risk. I didn't have a lot to lose. Um, if I fail, there was you know I didn't have a family to support. I didn't have, um, I didn't have bills basically, and so it made sense. So I, I sold everything that I had at that time at a very young age, and I I bought this restaurant over the phone. At that time, I was still living in San Diego, and. Um, of all people, my mom gives me a call, and she was the one who did not want me to pursue any type of restaurant career because obviously um, 
I've grown, I grew up in a restaurant family. You know, my families have Asian grocery stores that were on Eat Street, Lao Market back in the days when Quang was still in that tiny little shop and Rainbow was still in that little strip mall. So that's where, that's where my childhood was. That's where the family that I grew up in. But the more that I grew up in that, the more my family did not want me to pursue that. They, especially my mom, she already knew that, you know, it's, it's a hard life, a lot of sacrifices. And it was kind of like, she never verbally verbalized saying that, you know, if you chose this path, you're going to see less of your kids. But that's basically what she was trying to say. Like she was trying to make up for the times that we've lost in my childhood that we've lost because that was the route that she chose. So my mom of all people called me and said, Hey, you know, there's this restaurant that's for sale. I went out on a walk this morning and I saw a sign up and I was like, okay, I want to buy it. Oh, wow. And so, yep, I bought this restaurant over the phone and I came and gave the guy a check. So basically, you know, it's not that I I didn't hire any fancy lawyers. I didn't like I didn't have um, restaurant consultants. I didn't have an accountant. I didn't have anything. It was just like walk into a bank and go, hey, how much money can you give me? And I didn't know anything about loans or whatnot. And they the bank gave me money. And so I was like, here, I'll buy it. Why, and so, Why did they? Um, because I was this really motivated young person who bought a house at 22 years old. And so I had something that was, that, that had value to them. And so. Oh, so you put your house as collateral. Yes. So. Classic. Well, that's (laughs) perfect. And then here's the next thing I'm interested in. It was, you know, kind of an out of the way restaurant. I can't remember how I first heard about it. I was still at City Pages at the time. I think that somebody just emailed me. And a lot of times you get this kind of – you get tips over the transom and you go and check them out. And sometimes they're terrible and sometimes they're wonderful. And, you know, so you – like you just don't know. You go into them with a little bit of a – I hope I'm not wasting this day, you know. But I remember going in and just – you had this uh, different sort of larb salads, like nothing I'd ever seen before. So, yeah, I think it was um, the Crazy Duck. Yes, and so I think that was kind of like our first stab at at, at um, trying to get Minnesotans to eat um, parts of the of the of the animal that normally that would not be considered desirable, you know, such as the the gizzards, the skin, um, you know, things like that. Like you know, people just want a nice piece of protein. So like having the salad and then on top of that, it was, it had a really intense flavor of all the aromatics that were in there. You know, you got chunks of galanga and chunks of, of kefir lime leaves. And then, um, so it was just kind of like this, this crazy party in your mouth and you don't know if it was like a rave or was it like, you know, so how did you, but how did you, did you just, was it just the same thing if you were so young, you didn't know I can't do that or, you know, what was it? Cause that was an amazing dish. I think for me, it was like I had the opportunity that when I was in, in San Diego, like I was exposed to a lot of things, these things that they were already comfortable with there, you know. And so knowing that there was already an audience there, I knew that it was something that um, that Minnesotans were, were ready for. It might take a little bit of time. But at the same time, it was like the most important thing is it was something that I enjoyed eating. So I know that if it's something that I enjoy eating, that most likely others will as well. So that was kind of like my 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 mark. All right. And so how many years? So 2005 to to uh, 19. I can do that math in my head. So it was even longer than 10 years. You've, it's been 14 years this 14 May. years. Yeah. Wow. And in all of that, you got married. You had some lovely twins. <laughs> you have four-year-old twins. So everybody knows four-year-olds are magic and wonderful. Also very tiring. And uh, uh, and then you opened Lat 14. So that had been a Perkins, right? And it's, then it, yes. 
And you did a whole build out of that. It's over by Care 11 on 55 in Golden Valley. And it has just been a sensation in Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. We put it in our top 10 restaurants of the year because it's amazing. Um, It's a delightful place to go. But also, you know, very – it's not cookie cutter. It's not – it's not a fusion restaurant. Again, I hate that term. It's not (laughs) – uh, what people think of as an authentic restaurant that, it, you know, kind of corresponds to, to some village in the past, which is what I think authentic means a lot of the time. But we'll go back to that. You, mm-hmm. I can see your face kind of lighting up. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll go back to that. But it's uh, how did you come up with the Lat 14 concept? I think, you know, like um, there was there was many concepts that was leading up to this. And um, I think. A lot of it was more kind of looking for that perfect location. And, you know, we spent the past three years looking for a place. Um, So obviously lemongrass has been 10 years old. And, you know, one of the the number one things I hear from my guests are, you know, when when are you going to come to St. Paul? When are you going to come to Minneapolis? And so we started looking at those areas. So it's not that we haven't heard heard what they were asking for. But then it just – we didn't – it wasn't the right fit for us. Um, And then – Boom, you know, we drive past this Perkins and my husband's like, well, this Perkins is for sale. I was like, okay, let's take a look. Let's, you know, let's see what it's all about. And it really spoke to me. Um, And so, yeah, we're much more of a suburban. uh, I'm more of a a suburban restaurateur, I guess. But however that works. But um, but it's not it's not a suburban flavor palette. It's not uh, focus grouped. It's not, you know, oh, there's a hole in the market for crudo and s'mores. Like, it's not that. No, it's and what it is, it's like, you know, and that's why you'll see me. You, you see me a lot now. And I think that's something that, you know, I had to kind of readjust my my life because for 14 years, like as you were shocked, just counting those those numbers, you're like, where has Anne been this whole time? I know you came in the past in 2007 and you wrote that article about us. But other than that, it's like, who is Anne Ahmed? And and. And so that was like the concept of opening that 14. It's like it's it's about me. It's about my food. It's about my story. It's about what I want to share with my guests. And um, it was hard for me to decide what kind of food I wanted to make. You know, I didn't want to be in a box and says, okay, here's Anne. She's just going to cook Laotian food. And it's like I love so much more than, you know, I love Laotian food. I love all sorts of food. And it's like, you know, I can't open a world restaurant, but I knew that this was an area that was very special to me. So that's why I chose lot 14. And, um, and I wanted to find something that all these different countries and all these different food had in common. And that's that they share the same 14th parallel. And so that's how I came up with that. So it came from looking at yourself and kind of thinking about what you want to do and what you want to do as a chef. All right, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back and talk a little more about those kind of ideas of authenticity, you know, the meaning of the cream cheese wonton. Like, we'll just talk about all of those things uh, when we come back. All right. So, Dara here. I am talking to Anne Ahmed. She just opened Lat 14. She's slow but steady become one of the most interesting food uh, personnel. Well, not food personalities. Chefs become one of the most interesting chefs in the Twin Cities. Also food personalities, but more importantly, chefs, chef restaurant owners, and we were going to talk uh, – one of the things that I'm really interested in with Lat 14, which we at Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine are calling one of the best restaurants of the year. It's, it's just really terrific. So many different flavors and, uh, and and just really fearless, a fearless vision of uh, a very bright and bold um, but clean and kind of lyrical food. 
Um, and so I really want to talk to Anne about how she kind of created her particular vision because it doesn't come from somebody else. You know, if you work in food long enough, you see that people, uh, you know, they maybe follow Alice Waters and they have an Alice Waters thing going on or they um, hide this road of authenticity. So but but I, what I really have come to believe over time is that you can never be authentic to anything but the moment that you're in and the f- person that you are. Those are the only two things you can be authentic to because if you can't, you know, they have different fish in, say, South China. They have different water, different traditions, different ways of eating. I don't see how you can ever be authentic to anything far away. And especially you can't be authentic to something in a different time. I'm really familiar with so many Italian restaurants and they just battle. They're, I'm authentic like this and I'm authentic like that. Then you go to Italy and they're not, it's not a Xerox of what's going on in Italy. What's going on in Italy is very different. They have 500-year-old salumi producers that they, we can't get things from. They Their portion sizes are different. The combinations are different. So authenticity, I am just more and more rebelling against as an idea because it's so poorly, uh, so poorly defined and so uh, championed and yelled about it. And I'm just so sick of it. So I put Anna Med on, this, on the spot kind of as my, my star pupil because she's doing something that's very authentic, but it's not – this weird authentic. So you tell me, you know, am I putting these ideas on you? Do you what do you think about this whole authenticity thing? Because you've kind of been battling it way longer than I than I before I showed up. I think, you know, how you described it as your introduction to the segment is perfect. It's it's it can't be authentic. You know, it, it, it the only thing that's authentic is it's are you authentic to you as a chef and your style? And what you're trying to sell, what you're trying to serve to your guests, I think that's what makes it authentic, you know. And, and maybe it goes hand in hand with genuine. You know, are you a genuine chef who just wants to to present a plate that is delicious, that is fresh, um, and and that speaks from where you're cooking? You know, like are you really cooking from the heart? You know, or are you just you know cutting open a Prepackaged meal and just heating it up and giving it to your guests. And I think that's what makes Lot 14 authentic is the fact that we're cooking from our heart. We're cooking with a purpose. We're cooking from a story. We're cooking from our heritage. Um, we're cooking from our culture. But you're not trying to make it like uh, ripped out of Saigon and dumped out of the corner in Golden Valley because that's not possible, right? Exactly. So, and, 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 I think, you know, like that's why it's important to to get to know me as a person. And that's why it's um, I'm out there more. And that's why I'm sharing my stories more, because then when you eat my food, you'll understand that it will make sense. You know, like, you know, yes, every restaurant out there serves lop. Even the word lop is said differently. Is it larp or is it lop? You know, and so how, how do you how do you justify what's authentic from this restaurant to that? But that you'll understand, you know, like. The reason why Anne is doing lop the way that she's doing it at her restaurant is because she has these amazing sous chefs that have amazing skills, and we have the best of the best meat that's out there. Why not utilize those? And why not display a lop in a beautiful steak form, and you get to enjoy every single piece of meat, but yet you still, um, you know, feel. So for the people that don't know, lop is when I have a, a recipe I'll be giving out later, but it's uh, 
just a beautiful way of of grilling with spices and or um, cooking meat with spices and then serving it with herbs and um, and lettuce and, and mm-hmm. different things. And so it's a it usually has a flavor profile, maybe some lime juice and yep. some chili pepper. Um, really just fresh and vibrant. One of my favorite things to eat. But there are you know, homeschool, homestyle grandma style, mm-hmm. you know, you got your meat at Cub Foods and you're getting it done on a Thursday night when everybody's got to get to school. And then there's what you do at your restaurant, which is beautiful and elevated. Yeah. And it's, you know, we take the best cuts of meats, we dry age it. So it's like cooking a steak perfectly. And then you have all the essentials of what makes a lop like a lop, you know, the the toasted rice powder, um, your lemongrass, your kefir lime leaves, the fresh mints and the cilantros and the red onions. So all of that is still there. And I think, you know, that to us makes it authentic because we're, we're cooking to um, to kind of like the quality of freshness and the story that's behind it with, with you know, to, why is lop on every menu is because the, the history with a lop dish is that people cook lop because there's a literal translation to it. It's you're missing, you're, you're blessing somebody or you're wishing somebody that comes to your home with prosperity and health and all of these wonderful things that is spoken in terms of food. And so it's like when our guest comes, we have a lop on the menu because it's one of those things that we always want to wish our guests well. And it's like a form of saying, thank you for coming to see us. Thank you for visiting us. And so that's why lop is very popular, not only for its flavor, but for its meaning and what people have lop for. When you go to Southeast Asia, the first thing that anybody will cook for you is they're going to make you a lop dish to celebrate that you're visiting them and that they want to wish you well and into your, you know, to, you know, after you leave their, your, their home or just wishing you well in life in general. And that's why people, it's a celebratory dish that's eaten every, every occasion that you possibly can. And uh, just get back to that authenticity question. There's not one, right? I'm sure that your family was eating a different lop in a refugee camp with the ingredients mm-hmm. that are available to you. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly authentic. That was an authentic dish. And I know there's a kind of discussion in food criticism raging right now, which is, you know, how like what does it mean when we expect, you know, quote unquote, ethnic food or, uh, you know, quote unquote, Asian food to be cheap, right? Isn't that you know, do you get to go to Laberna Dan and make a lop with the most expensive crab in the world? And if not, why not? Like, why can't you, you know, mm-hmm. as a chef, expand into that glorified universe? Why do you have to be like held into, a, you know, cheap eats kind of rubric? And I think it's it's a personal pre- preference for for any guests out there. It's like, you know, you you do what what's best is for you. You know, like if you want to try this expensive crab lop, go for it, you know? And if you still want to go to, you know, an Asian grocery store and there's a deli in the back and you enjoy that lop and it's for $5, why not? You know, and it's all authentic. It's all authentic, but it's, it's the setting, the, 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 how it was presented to you. That's part of the authenticity of it. You know, you you get this ambiance of this beautiful restaurant and this, you know, snow crab lop, and then you have this $5 lop in a deli container. But the authenticity of it is still there, and they're both different. And I think, you know, I think we're, we're, we're stepping away from these stereotypes of what makes it authentic, you know. And there's, there's we're a— We're only going to step away if we all do it together. Like, that's why we're having this conversation yes. because I'm— I'm sick of people being stereotyped in different ways, mm-hmm. and I'm sick of myself as a critic having to 
uh, fight back against uh, this kind of thing that will come at me where people are like, well, that's you said that's good, but it's not authentic. It's like, who gets to decide what's authentic? We live in a world where I can see actual people having actual experiences. They're living their lives. They're on a med's grandma. They're, you know, they're on a med. They're having authentic experiences. It's authentic. And that's and that's that's what matters. The experience that you have with that dish. It may be 30 seconds. It may be three minute conversation with who made that lob for you. But it's it's you that gets to decide that what is it authentic to you. And then you shouldn't put that call on anybody else and what they're eating. See, there, I win again. No. <laughs> I will, I just, I just, I just find the two things I seem to want to do this winter is get people to eat more high fiber dishes with beans and legumes and fresh vegetables. And also just really interrogate this idea of authenticity so that we're not just kind of talking across purposes. Because if we want to have that discussion, um, then I think we all need to get on the same page. I I really I have these, you know, kind of side discussions all the time with people as I just wander around and they want to talk to me about this Chinese restaurant is not authentic or this Italian place is not authentic. And I and and somehow 20 years into my exciting career as a restaurant critic, it is now that I'm just suddenly like this notion is really messing with people. It's messing with careers. It's messing with people having good dinners out. It's messing with people having good lives. I mean, you know, you have been here for a long time. There is now an authentic Anamed experience, and you're 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 cooking it. You're putting it out there. All right, I will stop talking about this. We have a question for you, Anne, about the best Asian grocery stores. I think you know a few things about this. <laughs> We're in the Twin Cities. What do you you got? Some favorites. Well, I think they're all my favorites. They're all different in a different way. And it's like, you know, they, they all have different smells. They all have different looks. Um, the carts are different. Some carts work better better than others. <laughs> but, you know, like that's the thing that the joy of living in Minnesota is the fact that now they're almost in every corner. It doesn't matter if you're in the northern suburbs, eastern suburbs, southern suburbs. You literally will Google Asian supermarket close by and you'll find something. I know that for me being in like with uh, Lemongrass being in Brooklyn Park, we have a wonderful grocery store that's right next to us called Golden Lion. We love that fact. Yeah, we're in a strip mall, but you know what? Our neighbor is a grocery store. We can never run out of anything. We can always replenish <laughs> within a heartbeat. So I love the Golden Lion. Um, there's also two really awesome ones there in the northern Suburbs, the Golden Lion. Do they have? They have a couple other locations, right? Or is it just a popular? Just name? this one right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he closed his other location, so he just has this one. Um, and then there's the Sun Foods, and then there's also the the Dragon Star. Okay, Dragon Star. I know is famous mm-hmm. because. Uh, they get the really great fresh seafood. You'll go mm-hmm. in, there'll just be like crates of crabs. And then women who know a whole lot more than I do are like picking through these live buckets of crabs and getting the good ones. I'm like, what do they know? <laughs> yeah, they're looking for like if you pick up the little crabs and you see the underbelly of it to see if it has the eggs. The... Oh, yes, is that what they're doing? That makes like a better curry sauce because all of that goodness that's in there. So you, you want the female one and not the male. And you could tell by the size of the shell on the bottom. So that's what they're doing. <laughs> oh, that's what's going on at Dragon Star. Yes. This is a good one. All right. And what else? Let's see. I go to Shuang Her quite a, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, and they also have great little dishes and things. My kids like to eat little snacks out of little dishes. And so we have many little dishes from Shuang Her. That makes life easier. 
Yeah, and then you have like in the southern suburbs in Burnsville and Egan and Savage, there's, you know, there's the Florida market, there's the Oriental, like I think it's called Oriental something, but it's everywhere and they all have fresh produce. I know that our first instinct is like, you know, it's in the middle of winter, nothing's growing here, but we don't forget the fact that these items get shipped in like, you know, three, four times a week from Florida, from California, from Hawaii. So we get all these amazing fresh produce and vegetables and herbs and you can make a Thai curry curry anytime you want at home or you can have a lop anytime with the fresh mints and fresh lemongrass and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I think we live in a, a great city and we have accessibility to all these things. And worst case scenario, there's always Amazon, you know, <laughs> you can order it and it gets delivered. And so. But you should just go to United Noodles anyway, because mm-hmm. it's so fun to be in there. Yep. I love to go to United Noodles and get the, you know, all the little frozen sushi makings. And they have great little lunch counter where you can get ramen. that's just delicious. Um, there are many Great ones. All right, Anna, we're running out of time. So your two restaurants are Lat 14, which just opened, and Lemongrass. Um, If someone has never had kind of Southeast Asian food and really wants to take a baby step in, give them one dish that they should get. Is it lop? Yes, for sure. Definitely the lop. And also um, I would definitely do the nam kao. So the nam kao is a really fun one. it's a lettuce wrap and it's like it really it, it's a conversational piece because it's like you make your own and that's how a lot of Southeast Asian um, chooses to dine when they're out with friends and whatnot because it's like you know everybody's hands are in there and you're sitting around this this dish and you make your own and you you, you take a bite and then you're in the middle of a conversation you keep going at it and then you you forget and you're like oh my god we need to order another one. It's like, because it's, it's just one of those that keeps you going and, and keeps the fun going. And that's the whole point of people dining out is because they want to enjoy that time with friends or family and they, and they want to forget about where they are and what they're doing for, for the, for that moment. And I think food should, should evoke those, those memories and those feelings. And so, and that's why the lop is for that reason. It already has this rich history behind it. So another dish that, you know, that you, I would definitely encourage my guests to try is definitely the Namco. All right. Well, we will leave it there. It has been delightful. I had a really fun time talking to you. Everyone, go visit Anna Med. She kind of will float from table to table. She would talk to you and welcome you into that world. All right. When we come back, speaking of this world, we are going to do a kind of a top chicken salads, including a really basic uh, chicken lop, if you want to do that. And we'll talk about all the things. You got questions for me in the Ask Me Anything Uh, Text me, 81807. Text line is filling up, but I got room for you, 81807. Dara here. All right, I spent too much time arguing about authenticity. I've got to get through the recipes quick and also to your questions. So I want to get to the questions first because they're very important to me. I got to text somebody lunch at an expensive Japanese place. The food, the Japanese food was excellent, but the side salad was terrible. It was limp old iceberg lettuce with a Thick orange-brown goop, and then just slimy under that. Should I have said something, and what would you have done? Well, it's best to say something at the moment. I understand when you don't want to because you don't want to make a fuss. And Minnesota, we are very against making a fuss, is frowned on. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it, seems, it can seem like the server isn't really in control of things. But you should definitely... Uh, you know, say something. Maybe you can send an email or a letter. Um, or 
I probably would have said something, especially if it was kind of gross in the moment. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just don't make the greatest decision and what are you going to do? And then you can send a letter afterwards. So I'm sorry that happened to you anyway. It's lame. All right. Hey, Dara, I love your show. 57-year-old guy on the young side. And I've fallen hard about four times this winter. Right? It's a bad winter for falling. And she says, I, f- I guess I always forget about it soon afterwards. <laughs> I'll really have to break something before I get worried. Oh, no, that might be exactly what I'm going to do, too. I might have to break something before I get worried. That did worry me, though, getting a bonk on my head like a child. Who does that? Who falls on the ground? I guess we all do. That's all we're done all winter, right? Block. Okay, if you go to WCCORadio.com right now, you will see the fantastic chicken salad recipes because I think you're making stock, right? You're all got chickens boiling at all times right now. Keep the house warm. Keep your spirits up. Make soup. Then pull out a little chicken meat because I've got some great recipes. They're all up. I've got a Thai chicken lob, the basics, because just like we are talking about, Anne, you want to give yourself some welcome and good luck. Make that. I put up a link to Plum Alley's uh, pork lob, even though it has nothing to do with the chicken salad. I just like that. Um, but it's nice. I really like the way he cooks. It's a, it's a really readable, accessible recipe. I have a nice recipe for a two-pea pesto chicken salad. There's so many good jarred pestos these days, and you can do that. I've got a really nice recipe for a Greek chicken salad and uh, Rick Bayless's Mexican chicken salad with avocado. Because those avocados are getting cheaper, right? It's post-Super Bowl. And then just the the perfect chicken salad, that kind of old-fashioned one with pears and apples and nuts. Like you're having your own bridal shower or if you're actually throwing a bridal shower. That's the perfect dish. Okay, so those are all up at WCCORadio.com slash menu or WCCORadio.com slash Dara. All right, so what is happening here next week? Have you been watching that Netflix show about Marie Kondo who cleans everybody's houses with the life-changing magic of tidying up? So she says you should throw out everything that doesn't spark joy, and I everything within me rebels against that because I love my junk drawer. I own so many things that don't spark joy. They are mops or they are socks or they are the you know little jar full of odd screws that I have gathered over the years. But I have. So am I going to ambush the first person in Minnesota personally trained by Marie Kondo? She's coming in. She's going to try to convince me that cleaning a kitchen is a worthwhile human endeavor. Can she do it? Are we going to spark joy like a fork in the microwave? I don't know. Tune in. All right. Till then, may your party champagne pop easily and your party balloons never pop at all. I will meet you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.